Keep watch with me. It's a story of Jesus in his most difficult hour, moments before he would take his journey to the cross, moments before he would go to Calvary, lay down his life, the suffering that was ahead of him. And he goes away to a garden of Gethsemane with his disciples, with his friends, with his crew, the people who have been so close to him that for three years they've traveled together, they've laughed together, they've broken bread with one another, they've listened to him, they've sat at his feet, they know his heart. And he takes them to this place and he asks them, hey, please, would you keep watch with me? Would you pray with me? But you know what happened? They fell asleep. We're going to talk about exhaustion and sleep today, but let me just qualify it and let me just clearly communicate. God is all about good rest. And everyone who's tired here said what? Yes, Lord. Anna and I, we didn't sleep much at all. I don't know if we do sleep anymore. This could be a dream and I don't even know it, so bear with us. (laughs) What is sleep? But he's about good rest. He created the heavens and the earth and all that we see six days and on the seventh day, he rested. So getting good rest and health and sleep is how we've been created. But I'm not talking about that layer. We're going deeper today. And through the stories of these disciples and how we see they respond, we can learn something deeper, not just on the surface of falling asleep, but in our heart and soul, our spirit, that we wouldn't be a sleepy people slumbering people. And God forbid we're a church in a community that's sleeping. He wants us to be awake. He desires for us to be awake. You know, the Lord is inviting you and me into deeper relationship with him. Deeper relationship. He desires us to participate and partner with him. And what this requires, because there's a requirement, is a journey, a journey into the heart of God. I'm going to tell you something. It's not easy, but it's so good. Because if it was easy, it would be cheap, but it's costly and beautiful. And not many take this journey, but he's inviting us into it. It is a path into the heart of God that only a few really take. But my prayer is that here in this house, in this family, in this community, it wouldn't be few. But today as the Lord speaks to us and he begins to work inside of us from the inside out, that it would be many who say yes to take that journey. Because when you journey into the heart of God, suddenly his burdens become your burdens. Suddenly in a moment, his love becomes your love. There's a transformation that takes place. His life becomes your source of life. And then his work and his mission becomes our work and our mission. Do you see the transformation that takes place? If we decide to take that journey, and just because you're a follower of Jesus Christ, doesn't mean you're automatically there. This is next level. You like next level? Video game, you beat it, next level, woo! You like that. Or someone comes up to you and says, you're doing such a great job at this level, are you ready to move on to the next level, right? It's like, absolutely. 
That's what I've been practicing for. But we know that comes with something, a cost. Discomfort. Speak to any athlete who has succeeded. It wasn't easy. They had to wake up early. They had to work hard. They had to make sacrifices. But there was a reward in it. Something was built inside of them. And God is building something in each of us. But this invitation is next level. So if you want it, not from me or from man or from an institution or an organization, if you want it from God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen, then lean in. And as you do, watch what he begins to do. It's gonna cost us spirit, body, and mind. In other words, everything, every part of our being. And it's gonna be worth it. Because I don't want something cheap. And neither do you. And the reason we see Jesus in this struggle in this moment is because it costs him dearly everything for you and for me. It will cost, but the reward is eternal. And the blessing is for generations. Generations. An heirloom is worth something, and it's passed on through generations, and its worth only grows. Its value increases. This isn't cheap. This is worth something. It's priceless to hand off to generations and to generations and to generations. We've done it here for 70 years. Let's do it for 70 years more. You know, the Garden of Gethsemane, that word Gethsemane actually means olive press. It was somewhere that was familiar to them. The disciples and Jesus would have hung out there. They'd been there before. They met up there before. You know, maybe they liked olives. Maybe they took a couple off the branch. Anyone like olives here? Yeah, I hate olives. <laughs> Green, black, it doesn't matter what color the olive is. It's disgusting. It smells weird and strange. And maybe it started because I remember when I waited tables in Tulsa, Oklahoma at a restaurant, these ladies got a drink and they wanted green olives in them. And so I brought them to them and they were like, do you have the ones with feta in it? I'm like, I don't know. Because I hate them already, but I'll go check. I checked and it wasn't. It was that little red thing. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> okay. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go above and beyond because I want a good tip. So you, don't, you know what I did? I restuffed them with feta. And I brought them to him like, hey, so I created these from scratch for you. It's the worst tip I've ever gotten. And I think from that point on, I hate the smell of olives and feta together. So, olives, the olive press. Well, it was a place where these olives would be pressed down and oil was produced. See, God wants to pour out upon his people a thirsty people, lost, hungry, broken, dried up, cracked. He wants to pour out upon them. And he wants us to be a part of that. And he wants you to receive that if you're dried up today. If you feel just so broken, calloused, no life in you, know that he paid the highest price and he is pouring his love out.
And you're going to hear and see the struggle of what he did so that we could embrace it and we could have the oils of salvation, restoration, healing from his surrender. He wants to bring us into that place with him. Keep watch with me. This is the personal invitation he gave to his disciples. But they fell asleep. Matthew 26, verse 36. Gethsemane. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. And the journey to the cross would begin. But Jesus would be alone in that journey. You know, sometimes people want to skip past this passage because we look and we see a part and a heart of God in Jesus that can make us a little uncomfortable, and that's good. Be uncomfortable. We see his brokenness and his surrender, his crying out to the Father. The tension that he was in. When I read it, I see hope for my own life to realize if Jesus was at that place, I can be at that place as well with the anxieties and the worries of the world circulating around him and eternity on the scale. Jesus finds himself in that place crying out, not just sweating because he's a little nervous, but the turmoil from the inside out that he's literally bleeding with sweat because that's how heavy it was but he took the right posture, a posture of prayer. And he found the right place, an altar before the Father. Keep watch with me, he said. It's not an assignment, it was an invitation. Jesus didn't go, hey you, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. Okay, 20 minutes at this hour, 20 minutes at this, 20, 20, 20, assignments, everyone's right now, no, 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 no. Hey. Would you keep watch with me? Would you be aware with me? Would you pray with me? Would you just be here with me? Not an assignment. See, it's not that God is casting a burden on you or on me. Hey, carry this. Okay. Throws on your back. Oh, God. Okay. God, is it another one? Okay. And then this is how we think we have to walk around, and it's an assignment. Now do what I say, and do it right, and follow me, and don't turn back. That's not what it is. 
He's not throwing burdens on his people and then abandoning them and leaving. He's inviting you and me into deeper intimacy with him where we begin to feel his pain. What hurts him hurts us. What he weeps over, we begin to weep over. If you're filling your life and your faith and your pursuit of God with just a list of assignments and boxes to check, then you are missing it. And you won't see something deep and beautiful. It'll be shallow. And you'll feel all the weight. But see, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For I am tender and gentle in heart. Come to me if you're tired and you're weary. I'll give you rest. His yoke is easy and his burden is light because it's his yoke and his burden. And we carry it together. He's inviting us in. See, God didn't say, I assign you to carry the weight of the unborn. No. There's a woman, Cindy Fiore. She comes to our church, amazing woman of God. Every week she goes out with a team of people here at our church. They stand outside the Planned Parenthood in Smithtown and across the island, and they cry out and they pray. But when people come, they love on them. They show them the love of Jesus. And when a young lady chooses to keep that life, they embrace her and they help her. And they don't just say, okay, see you later, check the box. They say, we're gonna do a baby shower for you. And that's what our church does here. We do a baby shower. We're gonna give you everything you need so you can do this journey and you don't feel alone. Here's my cell number and here's my email. Here's my, anything you need, we're here for you. We're gonna walk with you through that. Now, let me tell you something. It's beautiful, church. But it doesn't just happen because to Cindy, it was some sort of assignment God gave her. See, when you get into the heart of God, you hear the cry from him for the unborn. You feel his heartbreak that he hears from heaven the weeping and the crying of these infants. And when you begin to get into his heart, you begin to feel what he feels. And a woman like Cindy and so many in our church, men and women who do this, is because suddenly they began to feel the weight of the father's heart on them because they were in his heart with him. And they're a part of his work of restoration. Debbie Garsick, who's here in the back, she didn't know I was going to do this. Debbie, a single mother, faithful for generations, blessing and blessing and helping. But you know what she's created here in Help Run? A community of other single women who feel so alone as moms, single moms doing it by themselves. And she's created a community where they build each other up, where they help one another and they give to each other and they weep together and they laugh together and they mourn together and they don't do it alone. Do you think it's just because Debbie said it's an assignment? No, it's because she knows where she was at when the Holy Spirit met her and invaded her and captivated her and she felt his love around her and she journeyed into his heart and when she journeyed into his heart, she said, I know I have to bring others into this place too because it wasn't just an assignment. It wasn't just a burden thrown on her. She felt the heart of God. And because of that, she's doing what she does. 
See, church, this is what it's about. This is what it's about to be those who are not called just into an assignment, but those who are called and invited into the heart of God. And it's a journey that many don't take. But I pray it's different in this house. They didn't join Jesus in the struggle of surrender. They didn't join him in the struggle of surrender. See, struggling and wrestling, it can be a very fruitful thing. It's exhausting. It's tiring. It's not comfortable. But when you wrestle and struggle with God, it will yield something beautiful. Don't listen to a lie that tells you God's afraid of you struggling with him. Jesus shows us. I mean, Jesus literally shows us We have a window to see his struggle of surrender with the Father, but he takes the right posture before. And he says, oh, not my will, but yours. But he doesn't let go of the wrestling and the struggling. Read throughout scripture from Genesis to Revelation. You see the stories of people, many of them broken, hurting, messed up. You're in good company. But they held on to him. They wrestled with God and they struggled with God, but they held on to him. If you read the journals of any ancient fathers or mothers of the faith, and you see their moments and their times and they're wrestling with questions, doubts, fears, anxieties, the what ifs, do I hear him, do I not hear him? Am I in the right place, am I not? I don't even have the faith to wake up today and to get out and to do what I need to do and I've gotta go preach or I've gotta go teach or I've gotta go disciple. And you read these ones who we look up to You'll see in the privacy of their journals, they wrestled God, they struggled with him, but they held on to him. And often you know the closest and most intimate place they did it was in their prayer life. Don't go into your prayer life thinking you have to have it all together. Sometimes it's a wrestling match or you're just holding on. But it's so worth it. The disciples, they just didn't take that surrender posture. They took the sleepy one. Who's a sleepy head? Raise your head this morning. I am. <laughs> like I said, it's okay to be tired. Come to me if you're tired, you're weary, you got weight on you. Well, come to me. Come to me. Do you hear him? He's saying, come to me. He's not saying, read a letter about me and... and Write an article and tell me what you think. He's saying, come to me. It's so beautiful and it's an invitation. Hey, come on. Surrender with me. He showed us the way and he does it with us. And if if the disciples wouldn't have been sleeping, if they wouldn't have given in to that, They would have gained such a revelation seeing Jesus in that moment on what it looked like to wrestle and struggle with the will of God, but to do it the right way, in the right posture. They would have had a living example right in front of them. They would have seen it with their eyes, and they could have even joined it. It says they were just a stone's throw away from a distance and just knelt down with Jesus as he was doing it. Could you imagine the shifting of the story and the narrative? 
And we know it happened as it needed to happen there. But here and now, the Holy Spirit is in this place. And we can do it differently. They could have partnered with him. Jesus said in John 15, verse 15, he said, I don't call you slaves and servants anymore because they don't know what the master's doing. They don't know about his work, but I call you friends. For friends know what the work is and what the master's doing. In other words, friends are partners with what I'm doing. They could have been his friend in the garden, but they fell asleep. Let's be his friend. Let's not fall into slumber. Let's not give in to our exhaustion. You know, when you give in to exhaustion, when you're tired, when you're sleepy, you're susceptible to temptation. You're susceptible to temptation. It can slither right in and up to you and start wrapping itself around you because you're tired and exhausted. Jesus says it. Don't fall into temptation. Watch, pray, be alert. Be ready. Be with me. Don't fall into temptation. Don't enter into it. Because when you're tired, you become unaware of your weakness. Become very unaware of it. Have you ever seen someone when they're just waking up? It's a great time to just push somebody. (laughs) Down. You're very susceptible. And so in our own lives, where have you found that sin, that thing has snuck in? Maybe it's because you're sleeping. Maybe it's because you're sleeping. And you're susceptible to it just like I am. Just like Jesus was. But see, he didn't fall to it. And he didn't fall into it because he fell on his knees and he prayed through it. You know what else happens when you're exhausted? You're sleepy, you're grumpy. You're grumpy. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. What? What? Grumpy right now at me because you're tired. I'm not grumpy. You're grumpy. So I tell, I tell our kids, like, they're like, what? I don't know. I'm like, happy eyes. They're like, what? What are you trying? It changes how you say something. Like, I'm so angry at you. See, it doesn't sound like I'm so angry at you. I'm so angry. You can't do it. Lift your eyebrows up. I'm telling you, it'll help you. At work, maybe that will save your job. <laughs> Maybe you will not get fired this week because you're like, hold on. Yeah, I'll do that. No problem. (laughs) But see, when you're tired and you're exhausted, you, you, you can get grumpy. Church, Christians, fellow pilgrims, family members, sons and daughters of the light, don't be grumpy. You know what I'm talking about. Don't bite everybody. Don't be grumpy. Don't hurt people because they disagree with you. Forgive us our sins, Father, as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation. If you're leading us, we won't get into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Don't be grumpy. 
righteousness, peace, and joy, the kingdom of God. But when you're tired, when you're spiritually sleeping, you can be grumpy, you can lose mobility. You don't move anymore. And you know what happens when you stop moving? You grow cold. There's no more fire. When you're not moving, you're not seeing other things and what God's doing for other people. This is what happens when we're exhausted and we give in to it. And listen, it's real. Exhaustion is real. Being tired, I'm not just talking in body, I'm saying in spirit and in heart, the hurts that you have are heavy on you. Confusion, your emotions, sorrow, disappointment, circumstances, all these things weigh on us and they're real weight and they are heavy and they can be overwhelming and they can push us into slumber or surrender. So it's real. But Jesus showed us the right way. He took it into the posture of surrender. Lord, don't think it was this just, God, I'm struggling. It was a crying. It was a wailing. Because he had the weight. But the weight that his disciples felt, guess where it took them? Into slumber. Don't let it take you into slumber, church. And you know how you stop that from happening? Prayer. Prayer is what keeps us in that place of surrender. Slumbering yields sin. Spiritual slumbering. Temptation comes in. We give in just to get a wink. But surrender at the altar of God and, and, and just crying out in prayer, it yields provision. He will provide. Actually, in the Gospel of Luke, we have another picture of this moment, and you know what happens? It says that God sent an angel to minister to Jesus in this moment. God provides when you're surrendered. I'm telling you, he'll provide. You might not see it and you feel all the weight, but don't let it push you into slumber. You'll sleep right through it. Let it push us into surrender. The worship team can come back up at this time. Don't let your eyes become heavy. You know what I'm talking about? You ever see someone who's fighting to not fall asleep? Like, I see it every single Sunday. <laughs> I'm like, wow, we are a Pentecostal church, but that's someone who's very tired. I used to just love, like in college, they would have the 24-hour prayer times, and those are beautiful, right? There's these hours from uh, 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. where you go into those rooms and everyone's prostrate, and it's real quiet. And there's just one guy on the guitar, he's like, yeah, man, it's awesome. You're like, no, dude, you're false. Just fall asleep. Let's just take a liturgical nap, everyone, and let's re reconvene at five. But heavy eyes, 
Have we allowed other things to exhaust our eyes? Your eyes can only take so much. That's why they begin to go to sleep and you have to just fight. You've had that. We've all been there. Your eyes can't take any more. They have to rest. But have we exhausted our eyes with other things? Have we strained them looking at so many other things that when we're meant to be a people who are awake in a world that so desperately needs us on watch, we sleep. We're weighed down, we're overcome, we're burdened. Because we've wasted our vision and our sight on other things. I'm talking practical, I don't know, what do you look at? What do you just stare at all day? What do you look at? What do you look at? What is it? What is it? Who's that person you look at at work and you're a married person here in the room and you just stare at, you stare at them and you lust after them and you wonder why your eyes are so exhausted with your spouse because you've given your eyes to something else and they've become heavy. Look at him first. That's what I feel for somebody here. Look at him first. Look at Jesus first. Let your eyes be with him and near him. And he'll begin to give you the eyes to look at your spouse the right way. But don't let someone else or something else take your gaze. Jesus found them heavy-eyed and sleeping. He found them. They were all sleeping. And he left. That part of the story hurts my heart. How many times, Jesus, have you walked in looking for me to be with you and what you're doing and I've just been sleeping? May it not be us, church. They missed out on being with him when he needed them most. Don't get caught up. Don't get caught up with thinking about getting out of here and the world burning and going to hell and miss out on his work that he's doing, reaching towards people in their lives. He's crying out for the salvation of the world and he feels the separation from his father that is coming. And he knows he has to drink of the will of the father and he knows he has to take this journey to the cross and he knows there's gonna be pain and suffering in the depths of the earth all the way to heaven he knows there's a fight ahead of him and all he says is keep watch with me be with me join me but they miss out because they're sleeping and their eyes are heavy see if we're sleeping can we stand up this afternoon if we're sleeping we won't be ready and prepared for what's next Revelation 3 is talking to a church in Sardis. The sleeping church is what it's called. It says you look alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up, church. It says wake up. Because if you don't wake up, he'll come in like a thief. 
and you'll never know he was even there. Don't miss it. May we not be that church. And if we keep the right posture before the Lord of surrender, and we keep that posture of prayer, of the invitation that's relational, we won't be that church. See, we'll miss out if we're asleep. We'll miss out and we won't be ready. And I just end it with this. You know, you see the story. Sorry for the sniffles in the mic, it's so loud. Let's just get it out of the way. <laughs> it's real life, it's family. Sniffle, sneeze, y'all been coughing in that corner, in that corner, I hear you. I'm gonna sniffle with you. Oh, thank you, thank you. Look at that, what teamwork. Now it's really gonna get gross. But you know, the disciples wake up. They wake up, they're disoriented. Jesus says, the hour has come. And then all of a sudden, they see military coming in and, and they begin to get chaotic and they begin to break up into groups and leave. And then you got Peter, who's just vicious and violent, takes a sword out ah, and goes and cuts someone's ear off, a servant, and Jesus heals it. And he says, stop it. So you were sleeping. You didn't hear anything that I was crying out to the Father. You didn't hear my heart. You didn't see my struggle in the privacy of my life in this prayer moment, surrendering to God, saying, don't you know? He says, don't you know I could call angels down, legions of them to deliver me, but this is not the way. But see, you were sleeping, so you're reacting the totally wrong way. You're not ready. You're not ready for what's happening, and all of a sudden, the chaos. See, you'll respond wrong to God's will if you're sleeping. It'll be dangerous for you and it'll be dangerous for others and it will be dangerous for the church. So guess what, church? Don't be sleeping. And you'll be disoriented, easily deceived. But if we are awake, we will be a part of all he is doing. Okay, so how? I'm not gonna give you an assignment. We already talked about that. And I'm not even gonna give you an invitation from me. It's an invitation from him that says, keep watch with me, pray with me. What keeps us awake? Prayer. It aligns us with him. It keeps us vigilant. We can carry his burden because it's his burden and his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And we'll fall deeper and deeper and deeper in love with him. And what burns in his heart will burn in ours. And we'll be ready. When he moves, we'll be ready to move. And when he's waiting, we'll be waiting. And when he's reaching, we'll be reaching. When he's loving, we'll be loving. And when he's restoring, we'll be restoring. Because why? Because we're a people of prayer. Lord, Lord, let us be a part of what you are doing. And let there be many today who journey into your heart.